and amen. Like Casey said, I'm so excited to be with you today. Um, my name is Monty, and I know he said it, i got to say it again. If this is your first time at Meadows Church, welcome home. We're so glad that you're here. You picked a crazy but impactful series to come to, and you're going to find out why in a second. But before we even get into that, let me ask you a question, personal question. How many here have a pet? Raise your hand. you got a pet. Any pet? Yeah, a lot of you, a lot of you. How many have a dog? Dogs? Yep, yep. How about a cat? It's okay. I'm not even going to make fun of you. i got an extra hour of sleep, so I'm good. Um, uh, let's see, how about a, a, a reptile of any kind? Bearded lizard, snake, not a snake, I hope, but okay, reptiles. How about a starter pet, like a fish? Anybody got fish? Yeah, see, that's the first thing the Gannon household killed was a fish. Our first pet took us a month to kill it. Um, hamsters, gerbils, anybody? Yeah, right there, yep. So we killed one of those in two, two weeks. So you really don't want the Gannon family watching your pets. I'm just going to say that straight up. Um, what's the weirdest pet? Jody, any ideas? <laughs> My wife, Jody. Um, she grew up with a, you're not going to believe it, a skunk for a pet. A skunk. You can ask her about it later. True story. I don't know. I can picture show and tell gathering the kids around, right, Jody, as a second grader. Come on, everybody. What's under the box? What's under the box? What's under the, lift the box. Ah! You know, it's like Pepe Le Pew under there. So, yuck, a skunk, but so this begs the first question in a series called You Ask For It. This is a three-week series. We're in the middle of it where you ask questions. We're going to give answers based on what God says. And if, if we can't find what God said, I'm just going to make something up. So, but I'll tell you if I'm making it up. So, um, uh, so will our pets go to heaven? This is the question that everybody wants to know, right? Will your little fluffy go to heaven? Well, God, what do you have to say about this? The truth is the Bible doesn't speak really directly to that question. So let me say it this way. The Bible does tell us in heaven there's going to be animals. Like I could point to Isaiah 11.6, a little prophecy that talks about, um, I'll just read it. It says this. In that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat. So cute. The calf and the yearling will be safe from the lion. And a little child will lead them all. So based on what God says in Isaiah, and knowing God created animals, God cares for animals, it is safe to say that animals will be in heaven. But what about the pets, right? Again, back to the question. Again, I can't answer that specifically, but I could also point to how we were created in God's image, people. Angels weren't. Animals weren't. People were. So in the beginning in Genesis, it says in Genesis 1.27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. And then it says male and female. He created them. Human beings, you and I, created in the image of God. We know that to get to heaven, and maybe you don't know this, so I'm about to tell you, in order to get to heaven, we, we have to give our lives to Jesus, believe in Jesus, trust Jesus with our lives, surrender our lives. We can do that because we have a soul. We're able to make those decisions. An animal, like your pet, doesn't necessarily have a soul that we can see in the Bible, isn't made in the image of God. And maybe your animal's really smart. I'm not saying your animal's not really smart, but it'd be pretty amazing if your animal knew how to actually call on the name of the Lord and be saved. So, the answer. I mean, this is in my opinion here, but will there be animals in heaven? Yes. Will your pet be in heaven? Ah, it's doubtful that your pet will be in heaven. I'm sorry. 
No one left. I mean, we can keep doing church. This is awesome. I got nervous saying that because Ava, remember? Ava, so we, here's our dog, Rudy, and our family, and we love Rudy. He's such a beautiful dog, and um, Ava's been dying to hear the answer to this question. So this week, as I knew this was going to come up this week, she's like, Dad, what's the answer? What's the answer? Is Rudy going to be in heaven? And I said, Ava, this is what we see in Scripture. This is what it means. This is how someone with a soul were to get to heaven. So based on that, I'm not seeing that Rudy will be in heaven. You know what Ava did? She slugged me. Seriously. That's a whole nother sermon, isn't it, Ava? They're clapping. She hit me. Man, she hit me. I said, Ava, why? And she was upset. I said, Ava, there's going to be a bunch of little Rudys in heaven. She said, I don't want a bunch of little Rudys. I want this Rudy. I was like, back up, girl. You getting all crazy up in here. I was like, Jody, we need reinforcements. I mean, you, you got a little nuts, right? Don't take it up with me. You take it up with God, okay? So <laughs> we're starting off strong here. What's, okay, so for the next questions, this is what I want to do. I want to, I, want to, I want to tell a story of Jesus. So Jesus, one time, Jesus, um, the, 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 some people caught a woman who was committing adultery. And the woman who was committing adultery, I mean, it was, it, was a, it was a sin, right? So they caught her. They literally drug her out. Some of you, if you grew up in church, you heard this story. They would drag her out. Probably, she might have even been naked. I don't, it was really humiliating. But they would drag her out in front of everybody, and they were getting ready to stone her. So, and now, in these times, that was the penalty for adultery, was stoning. So everybody's got their rock, and they're ready to, they're ready to throw down. And Jesus enters the scene. And when Jesus enters the scene, somebody, I'm telling you, he changes things. And here he goes to this woman in such love, not condoning anything she did, but he says to the crowd, listen to me, anybody who, anybody, let, let me say this, let this person who is without sin cast the first stone. And it changed everything. Everybody dropped their rocks and walked away. And Jesus looks at the woman in such love. Again, he doesn't condone it. He says, no, don't do that anymore. But there was such love and compassion there. As we get to these next questions, it's, 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 these are real things that you've asked. And I want to do my best to answer them. But, but let's, do, let's, let's do this. I want you to hold your hand out like this, okay? Just hold your hand out like this. Pretend you have a rock in your hand, okay? Just pretend you have a rock. And I want you to bend down. Bend down. And just set it down. Because, because I want to take the pressure off us right now. This is what God says about these things. But, but I want us to look at the person, okay? People matter to God. You matter. Say, I matter. You matter to God. You know? So, so you'll understand why I'm prefacing it that way because the first topic we're going to look at that you asked about was marriage, okay? Now, now here's the deal. Marriage, marriage, can we just be honest? Marriage is hard. Marriage is difficult. And if you're going to tell me that marriage isn't difficult, well, I'm going to tell you you ain't married, okay? Or you've never been married, okay? It is difficult. Right? I mean, Jody, we once in a while will fight. I mean, once every six months, seven months, six, seven minutes, whatever. I, yeah. So, so and, and one of the things hard for us is driving in a car. It's hard because, you know, I want to tell you how to drive. You want to tell me how to drive. It's like the couple were husband and wife, and she, they were fighting in the car, and they're traveling down the interstate, and it's all out just railing on each other. So much so, this guy loses track, gets picked up by the cops. Cop comes up, says, sir. I see, I, I see, you know why I picked you up? He said, no, officer. He said, you didn't know you were speeding? He said, no, I didn't know. And his wife's like, officer, yes, he did know. He did know he was speeding. I told him 10 miles back he was speeding. He did know that. Guy's like, will you be quiet? <laughs> officer looks at him. Officer says, sir, can I see your license and registration? He's like, yeah, yeah, sure. Hands it to him. He says, sir, do you know your registration expired three months ago? 
No, officer. I had no idea. Wife's like, yes, he did, officer. I told him last month that he needed to get those plates. He's like, will you shut up? And the officer's like, wait a minute. Does your husband always talk to you that way? And she's like, only when he's been drinking, officer. So, you know, that's going to start a fight, okay? Marriage is hard. So, here's the question. You ready for it? <laughs> that's terrible. Um, is marriage only intended between or for a man and a woman? So, to answer the question... Um, we got to go to see what God says because this is the first thing you can write in your notes if you're taking notes. I also hope you take notes because you'll forget a lot of what I say and you'll remember that. So marriage is an institution that was created by God, okay? So marriage was an institution that was created by God. That, that's just a factual thing. I can show you that in scripture. It, um, it, when God was creating, remember we've been reading a lot of Genesis, God created the earth and the stars and the sky and the moon. So he's creating and then he creates people. He creates Adam. And he says, he looks at Adam, he's like, you know what? This ain't right. You need, you need a partner. You need somebody. So he literally does a surgery on Adam. It's crazy. You can read about it in Genesis. But Adam's knocked out. He's, he's under a heavy anesthetic. And God removes a rib from Adam. Okay? I'll, let me just read the scripture to you. Genesis 2, I'll give you a few verses. Verse 22, it says this. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made the rib into woman. And he brought her to the man. So, so God literally brings Eve to Adam. And there she is. And think about it. Picture it. Eve is standing in front of Adam. And she's standing there naked in front of Adam. And Adam said, how you doing? No, he didn't say that. He didn't say that. He didn't, did not say that. But he probably thought it. So Adam said, I just spit all over my screen. That's terrible. So Adam said, what did he say? You're dying to know. So am I. Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. This explains why man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. This is the first marriage ever. This is God. They're now husband and wife. You just, you just witnessed it. This is the first marriage. And the crazy thing in God's word, there's a lot of marriages that happen, and they talk about a lot of married couples. So every example in God's word is between a man and a wife, and it is between Adam and Eve. In fact, God says, be fruitful and multiply, something that they were created to do. So we can deduce from this that marriage is between a man and a woman, okay, according to what God says. So, and, I, and, I, and you might be thinking, well, wait a minute, that's written thousands of years ago, cultures changed, times have changed, I mean, same-sex marriage is now legal in pretty much every state in America, so, so what about that? And I understand that, and I, I completely understand what you're saying if you're thinking that right now, I completely get it. So, but, but, but again, marriage wasn't an institution that was created by a person or by even a government, it was created by God. So while I understand what you're saying or what you might be thinking there, I just, today, today is about what, not what government has declared, but what God has declared. Okay, and there's, there's a difference. So, so again, we look at what God says. But I'll, I'll push, I'll pull back a second, okay? This is about, remember, remember the woman caught in adultery? God, Jesus looked at her with such love. Listen, look up here. I've got friends who are gay. Maybe you do too. I'll, I'll say this. I, I bet everybody listening online right now, 
I bet everybody watching online right now, I bet pretty much everybody in this place right now, you know someone who has same-sex attraction. I bet you do. So we may not always agree on this topic, okay? But that doesn't mean we should not, we, we still need to treat each other with love. We still need to respect each other. We still need to walk with each other, right? Especially if you're a follower of Jesus. For the Bible says, you'll know my followers by the way that they love. This is so key that we catch this, okay? So what is, this is what God says. That's how I believe the Bible answers the question. But I get it. I, it leads us to the next question. Is homosexuality a sin? For the sake of time, I can't go through all the scriptures. I could reference Leviticus 18.22. I could reference Romans 1.26.27. I could reference 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. I could reference all those. I'll just reference one for the sake of time. The 1 Corinthians. This is New Testament. This is a guy named Paul writing to the church. And he gives us instruction. In 1 Corinthians 6... Verses 9 through 11, he says, Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? He said, Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin, who worship idols, commit adultery, or are male prostitutes, or practice homosexuality, or are thieves, or greedy people, or drunkards, or abusive, or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 11, some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed, you were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. So, is being homosexual a sin? We, we, gotta, we gotta kinda pull that apart a little bit, that question. Being homosexual is not a sin, okay? No, it's not. Practicing it? Well, according to what we read in scriptures, it is, Okay? Now, before we want to say, I told you so, and grab our rock, and yeah. We love to take things out of context, especially Christians. Love to take things out of context. And that's, look at that, that's so, yeah, it does appear that that is a sin, yes. But what about what Paul said? He unpacks a lot of things in that scripture, doesn't he? Let me look at it again once. Um, stealing, greed, drunkenness, abusive, that could be verbally. That could be physically. That could be emotionally. Worshiping idols. Well, we don't worship idols today. Really? You know what worshiping an idol is? It's putting anything ahead of God on any particular day. That's worshiping an idol. Okay, so I don't know about you. Uh, I, I'm guilty of a lot of things there. And, and, and maybe you, you hear what I just said and you're like, well, no, I'm not guilty of that. Why well, would you say to you, well, Jesus, welcome to Meadows Church. We're super excited that you're here. You know, you are too. So, And people want to elaborate on that question. Are people born gay? Maybe, I don't know. I mean, I know they're born sinners. I know I'm born a sinner. I know we're all bent towards something. Can I say that? You might not know me that well. You know what I can tell you about me? I'm bent towards drug addiction. Like I was dead in drugs for years. I was, I'm bent towards addiction. That doesn't mean I need to do, like me, I, I, I'd say I'm a drug addict. People are like, don't say you're a drug addict. You were a drug addict. Listen, you say whatever you want. I know that I'm one bad decision away from ruining everything. Okay, I wish I could say I'm completely delivered. It's never. So some of my friends can say that. I, I just, every day, is, 
Every day, I give it to God. So you might be bent towards cheating. You might be bent towards lying. You might be bent towards uh, attraction to young children. I don't, we're all bent towards something. Does that make sense? You're born bent towards something. I got, I got a lot of empathy for my friends that are gay. I'll be straight up with you. To tell somebody, you know what, I know that you got these feelings and these attractions for somebody, but you just, you know, the Bible says you can't go there. And that's what the Bible says. But my gosh, if someone told me, you know, Monty, I know you're attracted to your wife, Jody, but you know what? Just don't go there. <laughs> okay. So I, I empathize. I, I, it's real. Okay? It is real. But just because we're bent towards a particular sin doesn't give us license to partake in it. Doesn't make it okay to act on those instincts. I am a drug addict. Now, I'm not sinning right now in my drug addiction. But if, as soon as I partake in that drug addiction, it's, sin will happen. I can guarantee you. So can homosexuals be Christians? Absolutely. Absolutely. Just like you can be a Christian, and I can be a Christian. And someone who's committed adultery can be a Christian. And someone who's stolen can be a Christian. Does that make sense? See, we, well, there comes a time when we have to stop labeling Okay, stop, stop looking at the label that you put on that person and start looking at the person behind that label because that person is somebody that Jesus Christ died for. Okay, see the person. Wow, so quick to say, oh, look at you, you're so bad. Well, look at you, look at me. Jeez, I'm messed up. <laughs> Casey, be quiet. So here's the deal. With any of us that struggle with sin, and I'll tell you straight up, that is your pastor. Jesus is in the business of changing lives. I need, to, I need to read verse 11 one more time in case you missed it. Some of you were like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. The power and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is enough. It's enough to change you, to save you, to make you new. We've got to look at the person. That person, mm, Jesus loves people, all people. So you're saying we should invite our, our gay friends to church? Yes. Yep. They're invited to come, they're, they're welcome here? Yep, just like you are welcome here, and I'm welcome here. You know what I'm saying? My gosh, everybody is somebody that Jesus Christ died for. Everybody. So we're, we're, we're good at kind of picking and choosing, and boy, if this is the hot topic in the culture, I'm going to show you how bad you are. I'm going to give you what Scripture says, and I can't shy away from it, okay? It's my calling to do it, but I'm going to, I want you to know you are loved, you are valuable, and Jesus loves you. So, I'll get personal with you. A few months ago, I got an email from a gal. Don't know who she is. Don't know. Just saw her name on the email. She said, I want to know your stance on, on same-sex marriage, same-sex attraction, that type of thing. Listen to me. I, I would never, I would never answer that question via email. I could have. I could have said, this, this is what we believe. I could have quoted scriptures like I'm giving you and said, that's, where, that's the end of it. Okay, I could do all that. Would that really, I don't know if that would really help me get to know her. Or, 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 or help her get to know me and help love her. I would never answer that question via text or ever. So you know what I told her? I said, listen, I, I know I, we don't know each other, but when you get together, would you do lunch with me? Or could we go grab a coffee? I said, I want to know more of your story. 
I'll, you know, just, just, to, I, just anything to get with her, anything to, to get face to face so we can talk. Because I want to see the person behind the question. There always is more to the question. So she said, and she, had no, she, did, she didn't want nothing to do with it. She's like, nope. It's like, no, I'm asking, what is your stance on it? Very stern about it. And I said, I said, here, I said, here's our beliefs page. I said, you can go there and check it out. Didn't, didn't, it's the last thing I wanted because I just know it, you don't hear the heart behind it. And I said, I said, but I'll tell you that we got people at Meadows Church that are all different kinds. And we, we, I said, there's gay people that come to Meadows, straight people, black people, white people, rich people, poor people. So I was trying to tell her, hey, there's, a, everybody's welcome at Meadows Church. So didn't hear anything, and then she must have went to the page. Hour later, she fires back. She says, oh, I'd never come to your church. She said, I wonder if the people that are gay that are going to your church know that you think they're sinners or that they're sinning. And I was like, and it hit me. Because I, honestly, and I guess I'm proud of this, but I never, I didn't ever look at them any different than anybody else. My first thought was, I wonder if the people sitting in the seats know how much of a sinner their pastor is. That's what my thought was. I don't look at them any differently them. I, so I knew there was hurt. There was something there. And, and my first reaction in my head was defensive. I'm like, well, how dare, you know, what? But, 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 but I, I'm being honest. I pulled back and then I thought to myself, there's more to that story. And I said, I'm sorry that you feel that way. I said, I don't look at those people any different than anybody else that needs, G we all need Jesus. We all need love. We all need relationships. And I said, I meant what I said. I'd love to meet you and hear your story. And I said, you matter to God, you matter to me. And that's how, and she didn't respond to that. But I thought to myself, I could have got mad and ticked off and sent her scriptures and just shoved it on her. Really? That's really gonna accomplish a lot. I need her to know that. She, because I wonder how she's been treated in the past. Think about that. I wonder if she's been to other churches where she was outcast, where she was condemned, where she was like, well, these people, they're sinning, but they're not as bad as you are, you know? Who said that to her? I guarantee she's been hurt. Guarantee it. I'll guarantee it. We have to be, I want to be like Jesus with a woman in adultery. I want to be like him. How did she fall so in love with what Jesus said? He didn't condone anything, but she's, I want to be like that. I don't know how to do it. I'm trying, and I want you to be like that too. Well, you'll never win an enemy to Christ, ever. I could have made an enemy. Well, no, you're this, and I'm that, and there's, I'm a pastor. Well, yeah, you're really going to reach that one. You're really going to help her find her God-given purpose, aren't you? You'll never win an enemy to Christ, and neither will I. So, okay. And we like to kind of pick and choose, don't we? Again, let's go back to 1 Corinthians 6, 9. How does Paul start it? If you forgot, put it up, the first section. Don't fool yourselves, those who indulge in sexual sin. We want to go straight to the homosexuality and say, oh my gosh. Huh. First thing Paul talks about is sexual sin. I don't know about you, but guilty, guilty. Question number four leads right into that. Is premarital sex a sin? I mean, come on. They're consenting adults. We live in the 21st century. Are you kidding me? We're really having this conversation? Yeah, because you asked it. So I'm going to answer it. First of all, let, let's just be honest. God's good to us, isn't he? I mean, that God would choose sex as a way to reproduce because he could have chosen whatever he wanted couldn't he he could have i'm just gonna be straight up with you he could have said okay husband you put your hand here wife you put your hand here okay now connect your fingers okay Ooh, okay that's good so 
Now someone's gonna come in, okay, this is how we're gonna do it, and they're gonna smash your fingers with a sledgehammer and the sperm will pass it. I mean, are you kidding me? Okay, like I can tell you this part, there'll be a lot less premarital hammer hitting going on. So, um, <laughs> so here we go, welcome to Meadows Church. So yeah, but he didn't do that, did he? Because he's good to us and he loves us. So there, aren't there spiders where the, they mate and then the, the, the woman spider eats the guy? Thank you, God, that we're not that, right, Jody? Thank you, Jesus. Oh, spiders. I hope no one has one as a pet. You probably need prayer. So, um, is premarital sex a sin? Multiple scriptures on this. Don't have time to go through them all. I'll give you the ones that I think that are the most uh, pointed and direct. Hebrews 13:4, And I love what the new King James Version said, or King James, um, because it, it's very to the point. 13.4, Hebrews, marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. So the fornicator is a very important word, because if you look up what that word means, it literally means someone who's having sex outside of marriage. Okay, that's what it means. So, but I'll be straight up with you, most people are doing that, right? I read a stat two years ago, three years ago, I read a book, and in the book it said, of church going single people, church, these are churchgoers, these are, I love Jesus, that are dating, 80% of them are, are having sex, 80% of people that are going to church, okay, that should not shock you at all, this is the norm, but I don't want, I don't want to look at what the norm says, or statistics say, I want to look at what God says, okay, because his plans are better than our plans, amen, I mean, I just believe that, I just believe his plans are better, so is premarital sex a sin, yes, is the Bible clear about it? Yes. But what about living together, okay? We're just going to kind of shack up, you know, why would we just go there to get married if we, we're just going to see if we're compatible, you know? We're going to save money on rent, and we're going to save money on bills. We're going to split the bills, and we're going we're gonna to buy groceries and share meals, and we're going to save water by showering together. Hey, 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 hey. That's what I thought. So, <laughs> so what about living together? I'll talk to the guys for a second on this one because, guys, I think we have more ownership in this. I don't think the girls are pressuring us as much as we maybe pressure them in this area. But I, and I'm just a guy, so I'll speak from that point of view. When it comes to living together, guys, if you're living with somebody, a member of the opposite sex, who isn't like your sister, eventually you're going to have the urge to merge. Okay, I'm just saying it. You're going to have it. Well, what if she's my cousin? Okay, it, it concerns me you would even ask that question, okay? And the laws are debatable. Now, in Kentucky, it gets blurry. So I just, anyway, so, sorry. I'm sorry. There's no, somebody here is probably from Kentucky, and now they're mad at me. So, um, so should we live together? Should we live together? I'll give you one more scripture to answer that. 1 Corinthians 6.18. This is the same scripture we've been pulling apart. This is a few verses later. Paul's still writing to us. Run. Say Run. Run from sexual sin. Don't walk from it. Don't crawl away from it. Don't snuggle up to it. Run from it. Another translation says flee from it. Flee. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one. So, so Paul's making a statement here that this sin is, I mean, it impacts us more than other sins. No other sin impacts the body like this one. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. So don't try to snug, I mean, don't get as close as you can to sin. Well, how close can I get where I'm still? Okay, I'll be real with you. 
My wife and I lived together before we got married. We had sex before we got married. So I don't want to be a pastor that's up here saying, oh my gosh, how dare, I can't believe. Listen, I'm preaching with you. I get it. I get it. But I'm telling you, can I just get vulnerable? I am telling you, like I'll never forget going to the church that we got married at. A Lutheran church. We didn't go that often, but we needed to get married, so you got to go find a church. And, and I, I remember thinking, gosh, what if they ask? We have the same address. But I, you know, I thought, I didn't think nothing of it. Just like many of you maybe don't think nothing of it, because who the heck doesn't do that? And I thought, maybe they'll bring it up. But they didn't. And I don't blame that church. They, they, it's just, they didn't go there, and so I didn't have to really wrestle with it. I'm like, cool, keep doing what we're doing, and we'll get married. And we did. Looking back, I wish they would have brought something up. Again, I don't blame them. I take ownership, but I'm just saying it would have challenged me maybe a little bit. And I'm not saying I would have done anything differently. But I'm telling you, when I meet with people today and they want to get married and they're living together, this is the first place I talk about. Do you know why? There are blessings that Jody and I don't have in our marriage because of what we did. Now, that doesn't mean, well, you've already gone there, so just go there. No, no, no. Blessings can, but God makes things new. God, blessings can start today. But I'm telling you, okay, let me, for me personally, <laughs> I don't know, maybe you, you don't have many issues. I know I do. And I'm telling you, because of, of, because of the sin that impacted me inside, and inside my mind, it impacts me today. So when I meet with people, I tell them right away, I, I did it, I went there, I just take the pressure off them. Don't worry, I'm not judging you. I'm the last person that can judge. But I'm begging you. I am begging you to do something different. God has something better for you than that. And even if you've gone there, you can stop today. You can move out today. You can do something different today. I, and I point the finger at me because I know if I would have done that in our relationship, Jody would have followed suit. She would have. She's expecting me to lead in that area, me to love in that area. And you might say, well, isn't that how you show your love? No, it's the opposite of that. That's how you do it when you're married. That's what it was created for. But the greatest thing you can do, guys, I'll speak to us. If you're going there right now, the greatest thing you can do is stop and say, you know what? I love you so much. We're not doing that anymore. The, okay, I'll give you a scripture to show you. John 13, 34. This is one of the greatest commandments you'll ever hear. Lean in. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If I truly love Jody, and I truly look at her with honor, and I love her, this is, this is what God compels me to do. It's the next main point in your notes. Christ's love for me. Christ's love for me requires that I do what's best for you. Okay? If you hear nothing else today, own that. It could be in the area that we're talking about with this question. It might be something completely separate. Christ's love for you and me requires us to do what's best for somebody else. Many people don't know what's best. They'll be like, well, they're doing it on TV. They're doing it on this. They're doing that. They did that. Mom did that. Who cares? I'm telling you, God has something great for you. I'm, I'm begging you. Don't make the mistakes your pastor made. Learn from me. Learn from what I did that was wrong. I'll do whatever I can. And if you, wonder what the, if you wonder what the love of God looks like for you, you have to look no further than the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross of Jesus. That's Christ's love for you. That actually leads us to the last question. 
Someone asked this. Why aren't there more images like of the cross at our church? It's a great question. A symbol of the cross is seen in many churches that appears that Meadows kind of shies away from it. So I'll answer that from a practical standpoint, first of all. Not really purposely trying to shy away from it. We're a portable location, set up, tear down every week. I mean, we could bring a big cross in and screw it to the wall, but they wouldn't let us back next week, so we don't do that. So we could have a big cross that we haul in and out of the uh, trailer, but uh, we don't do that. We had, a, we had a cross in our prayer area, got burnt up, but didn't burn up. Some of you heard that story. We're refinishing it right now. So it isn't that we really shy away from the cross. It's a great symbol of the love of the Father, I think. But can I share something with you about the cross? The cross was illegal for the first 300 years of Christianity. It was illegal. You, you wouldn't find one, at least not, not one that anybody would want to get caught with. Yet the first 300 years of the church, remember the series, Hope of the World? Mm, the first church? The first 300 years of the church, the church grew exponentially like a wildfire. They did it without the cross. I mean, they preached it. They just didn't show a lot of it because, well, get them killed. I share when our trailer got burnt, two things were salvaged out of the trailer, both miracles, and kid you not, a, a fire that burnt metals, I mean, the, the trailer melted. But our cross in the prayer area, charred and intact, we're refinishing it, and a Bible made of paper. <laughs> Are miracles still happening? Yeah. But the funny thing is about the Bible and the cross, both can be an idol. Did you know that? It's true. See, I'll get personal with you. I've heard stories, I've seen examples of churches where, where people divide and go crazy over stuff that they think is important to them. And it might be important to you because you grew up with it. I get that. But when I see churches split over the color of the carpet, or they're fighting over a, this room being set up this way or that, I mean, are you kidding me? It's a building. It ain't the church. It's a building. But Satan will use whatever he can. The second commandment, have no other images before me, none. Now, I love the word of God. But, but, but my Bible is all written in. It's messed up. Our dog, Rudy, that looks so innocent, he chewed part of it, the cover. Dog, it's part demon. They ask, what, what, what's your dog? Part chihuahua, part terrier, and part demon. Okay, that's my dog. So, I love the Bible. I love it. I preach it every weekend, and it will never stop. But there's, there's a lot of people where the Bible is an idol. Oh, don't, don't. Don't set the Bible there. Oh my gosh, don't set anything on the Bible. Oh my gosh, don't write in your Bible. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is God's love letter to you? A love letter to you. He's so in love with you. He writes this letter to you. Man, read it. Open it. Highlight it. I don't care. But, but don't make that more important than the, than the author. I love the, and I love the cross of Jesus Christ. When we, if we ever have a building where it's more permanent than this, you'll probably see a cross or two, I'm guessing. I have nothing against it, but, but listen to me. I, don't, I just don't want the cross to become more important than the one who was sacrificed on it, 
okay? Jesus Christ is the one that we praise. See, the cross today, the cross is empty. Today, the tomb is empty. But today, Jesus Christ is alive. And we have hope because of that. Oh my gosh. So I love the cross. I love it. Because I love what it represents. Hope and healing. Hope for people that struggle in areas of their life. Whether it's adultery or pornography or same-sex attraction or stealing or lust. The cross gives us hope. Jesus gives us hope. This is how I want to close today. And I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask something of you. The Spirit of the Lord is in this place. And I, I, I want to give you an opportunity. As we do a final song here in just a few minutes, the song is titled, Come to the Altar. I'm going to leave the cross right here. And we're going to put a basket next to it. And on your chairs, there's these colored cards on your chairs. And if the Lord is leading you to do this, I pray that you'll do it. That, that in this message that can be um, challenging, I want you to get vulnerable with God. I want you to write on that card any, any hurts or struggles that you're dealing with. Maybe it's sin, maybe it's a thought, maybe it's a relationship, whatever it is, I want you to write it. It might be pertaining to this message. You might, you might be attracted to people in the same sex. You might, be, you might have friends or family that you've judged because they're that. They're gay and you, you haven't loved them the way Jesus loves them and you know it. God died for everybody. Everybody matters to him. And we as Christians, we can be the most judgmental people in the world. Looking at somebody else saying how bad you are and how right I am. And maybe there's a strained relationship in, a, in your family or friends because of a topic that we discussed today. If that's the case, I need you to write that down. Maybe it's something completely unrelated, but you walked in here today and the reason you came here is because it's on your heart and your mind. You need to write it down today. And during the final song, on those colored cards, and you don't have to put your name. You can if you want. You don't have to. It's for you. It ain't for me. It's for you. That during the song, you'll come up and you'll lay it at the foot of the cross. And you'll say, God, I don't want this anymore. I need you to heal me from my judgmental attitude. God, I need you to heal me from this dysfunction going on in my mind, from this anxiety that I can't get rid of. God, I need you to heal me from the lust that's in my heart from the porn that I can't stop looking at, from the people that I keep hurting, from the judgment I keep conveying. God, I need you to heal me. God wants to heal you today. Look, look up here. He didn't bring you here to leave you where you're at. He brought you here to do something in you and through you. And the cross is where it begins. That's the gospel. Say gospel. You know what you just said? Good news is what that word means. Let me give you some good news of great joy. Jesus Christ, for you and I, he went to the cross. Guy never did anything wrong. You, you remember how I told you how he loved that woman caught in adultery? How do you love like that where she wants to run into his arms? I guarantee you, his love was, he wants to love you like that. And you can let him by saying, Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you literally died on a piece of wood and that you were dead. True story. 
it happened for you. Never let this gospel that I'm conveying right now, never let this become just white noise. Listen to me. This is the greatest miracle that's ever taken place. It is the only reason that I have hope and that you have hope. It's the only way that you're going to overcome the struggles that you're in. The power of Jesus Christ. And when you call on the name of the Lord, the Bible says you will not only be saved, but the Holy Spirit enters into you. You have the power not just around you, but in you. So Jesus Christ was dead. But on the third day he rose. You've heard the story. It's not a fable. It's not a tale. It's the truth. He rose. And we say it all the time. If a man can take a bloodstained cross and turn it into an empty tomb, he can take what's dead inside of you and bring it back to life. It's what he wants to do. Will you call on his name? Will you surrender everything to him? Regardless of what you've done, regardless of where you've been, he knows what you've done and he loves you. And he'll forgive you if you ask him. He'll do it today. Write it down. Put it in the basket. We'll have the basket up here in a second. What is God calling you to do? Those green cards Casey talked about, you can surrender your life to Jesus Christ. He'll make you new today. But look up here. Surrendering to Jesus isn't just praying a prayer or checking a box. That's just the, that's just the, the beginning. It's a relationship with the one true living breathing God who loves you. He loves you. If you heard nothing else today, I get the topics we're talking about can cause tension. I get it. That's why we put our rocks down. I, I have no place to judge. I love you. God wants what's best for you. If you need to have a relationship, some of you need to have conversations with somebody about some of the stuff we talked about today, and you know it. Not of condemnation, but of love and of Christ, the way he would do it. Love people. I want to see the person. I don't want to see the sin. I want to see the person. That's what we're going to do. And for some of you, as you come up during the final song and you sit back down, you know what you're going to do? After the song, you're going to come up again because the prayer team will be up here and we want to pray with you and for you. Some of you, you're going to go in that room right over there and pray with people. It, it breaks my heart that somebody would come into a church, a house of God, desperate and dying inside and not let someone pray with them. I'm begging you. I am begging you. If there's anything going on in your life that you need prayer for, do not leave here until we pray with you, until we wrap around you and we get a chance to love you and hug you and tell you how valuable you are in the eyes of your Father. He loves you so much. Father, I thank you so much for your word and your truth. We need you today. These are topics that are real. I don't want to judge. I don't want to say, well, if my sin's better than yours or worse than yours. I want to just know that everybody is somebody that you care for, that you died for, and that you want to surrender to you. Will you help us love like you do? Your love for us compels us to love others. But if I'm honest with you, God, even as the pastor, I don't get it right a lot. And I'll be the first one writing something on my card and giving it to you, saying, I need 
to put this at the cross. And God, my prayer for everybody in this place, when we place it at the foot of the cross, we leave it at the foot of the cross when we leave here. And we will pray with, we'll pray with somebody and we will, we will confide in somebody, we'll trust somebody because this is a safe place. This is your, this is, this is your, you're in this place, God. For the people that need to surrender their life to you, call on your name. The, 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 the word says they'll be saved. Not only that, but you will reside inside of them. Wow, life-giving, life-breathing, living water inside of us. That can happen today. It can happen today. That's why you brought many people here today. God, will you, you have your way. And if anything I said came out as hateful or judgmental or con condemning, I'm sorry, God, that wasn't, I pray that you erase that from their minds. I want them to hear what you want them to hear, God. We want, to, we want to serve you. We want to love you. We want to live a God-given purpose. We love you so much. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your church. Thank you for the people. Do your work. Have your way. And we'll never stop declaring, Father, that in you, the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody says, amen.